We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Danny and Dusty. Merangatang is going to be a thing. You're not coining anything new. With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera. All throws and monkey sounds in there and call it good. The old like Danny Meringue pie. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. The Fan. Good afternoon. Happy Thursday to ya. We got football day back. We got some beef between the... Bengals and the Dolphins, which may be the NFL's weirdest budding rivalry. I love beef. We need more beef everywhere. The NFL's starting to bring the drama. And so we got we got sports that we need to we have two guests today. Two guests Ooh. today. Uh we'll be joined at twelve thirty by Matt Preem, twenty four seven sports, Duck Territory. Ducks through the third of their football season, well, the regular season. And uh we're gonna catch up with Preem for all the goings on down in Eugene and all. Uh, things going on in the Ducks world as they got Stanford coming in this weekend. The history of this rivalry between Stanford and Oregon, which it kind of is a rivalry now, uh, especially in the last decade, or I guess you could call 15 years because of the fact that you've had really since Harbaugh and Chip took over, uh, you had two really good programs vying for conference titles. Uh, It's heated up, and they have a tendency to dash the other's dreams anytime they play. Yeah, no, it's it's it, these weird rivalries that have popped up throughout the conference over the last decade between Oregon, Stanford, USC, Oregon State. These, you don't typically expect these things to pop mm-hmm. up, but that's what makes conference play so special is that you do develop these rivalries, these relationships, that hatred that transcends uh, individual classes, and it, it lingers, and I love that. I, I want hatred that lingers. I want it to stick to your heart and turn it black and dark. Wow. That is one way to put it. Yeah, That's one way to put it right there. Um, so we'll have Prem on at 1230. Coming up at 2 o'clock, we will have Josh Furlong on. He is the sports director and uh, beat writer for the University of Utah Utes for KSL down in Salt Lake City. Uh, he's going to join us for a little Utes Beavs preview as uh, we got another big one. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kick, which is kind of weird. I think the Muss is the best uh, down at Utah when it's rowdy and at night. But we get an we get an early game for Beavs and Utes. So yeah, we'll no, talk to Furlong, and that's that's going to be a fun one. I I I really am interested to see what the outside perspective of our our immediate area of. Oregon State is after that USC Oregon State game. We have got to talk though, sandwiches first, uh, because yesterday we we had the five most underrated sandwiches, and mm-hmm. we put them on on a on the Twitter yep. at Danny and Dusty, mm-hmm. 
And I think like we got some really good recommendations on maybe some some considerations that we have to put on there. Yes. But there is actually a sandwich that I've never heard of, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And it was recommended several times. Which is? Uh, bon Mi. Am the I bon, saying that yeah, right? Yeah, the Bon Mi. Never, never even heard of it. How the hell did you live here and not have a, and not have had a Bon Mi? That's I like don't. A, what Vietnamese yeah. baguette, right? Yeah, yeah. No idea. What oh. I've never, never in my life okay. have I heard of a Bon Mi. Oh, okay. We're, we're gonna fix this. I don't know what that is. We will uh, either tomorrow or Monday. What is it? It uh, the Vietnamese sandwich, like Vietnamese sandwich, like a Vietnamese sub. All right, I'm looking at it right here. Um, All right, ooh, a little baguette. It's got like some pickled vegetables and. All right, you're starting to lose me there. It's just, just try it, okay? <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, here, here's what's true. I've never heard of it. It looks delicious. I mean, it does look good. But I've never, I, I've never heard of that sandwich before. And when we have several recommendations, all of a sudden, my, I, I start thinking. I'm like, whoa. Okay. So, well, what am I missing out on here? This is. This is the traditional banh mi. Okay. So it's a baguette with savory meats, mayo, a smear of rich liver pate, topped with pickled veggies, okay. crunchy cucumbers, spicy chilies, and fresh herbs. And then there's a spicy umami kind of dressing. Okay. That's, that's traditional. But like there's, we live in a yeah. city where we have more Thai and fusion. Vietnamese. We have a lot of fusion food yes. here. You can get a lot of Thai and Vietnamese fusion food. Yes, you can get a banh mi any way you want it. But basically, you're looking at a baguette with some savory meats and some pickled veggies and spices. Okay, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a tasty sandwich. I've never heard of it, but we had several recommendations on it, and by me never even hearing of it. I mean, that one says something about me, but it also is. Uh, I, I'm willing to say that several recommendations in, in your reaction to it is that it probably is very underrated. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and again, in Portland, I mean, Thai and Vietnamese food, we have more of, like, street versions of it. Like, there's a Vietnamese uh, street food plus, uh, like, Quan, Quan, I can't remember how to... QAnon? Not quite that. Oh. Um, but uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a tasty, it's a tasty spot. Man, um, I, I, I'm... This text right here, tell me you're super white without telling me you're super white. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I, I don't I think, know. I think this is the difference right here of... of uh, That's such a good text. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I think it's the difference of Glencoe graduate, uh-huh. Beaverson graduate. Yeah. Now you, that's, that's the dividing line is that you, you get the Thai-Vietnamese like bath okay. when you're like... Because there's a ton in like northeast, northeast or East Beaverton, as it moves into the hills, yeah. there's so much Thai and Vietnamese food mm-hmm. that I think you just can't avoid it. As you get out to, like, North Plains area, I think it like that's the dividing line of where it stops. <laughs> so you just don't have any out there. You think? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the exposure line. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I'm really interested in the uh, grilled pork Oh, versions the, of oh, these. the grilled like pork the, belly. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the way you like, go. Like I'm looking it. at just pictures here of it. I'm pro pork. I don't think we use pork enough. Um, oh, good pork belly is tremendous too. Yeah, I am pro. I'm pro pork. Uh, if you if you like, if, if you I was like running for belly, office, I would do that. Would be one of pork. my platforms. Would be See, pork. My, mine would be uh, mine would be lamb, but pork would be close. Yeah, because you like I love lamb. Killing child sheep. Bah. Mm. Um, if you want a, if you want a good pork belly spot, uh, Thai Peacock down the street, banging. 
Ty Peacock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, oh, this person that just started listening, we were talking about the Bon Me. I'm saying that correct, though, right? Yes, Bon Me. Yeah. All right. Um, bon Me sandwich is the one we're talking about. I'm, yes. I'm gonna, I'll give it a whirl. Listen, I, I will. I'll I give will it a try. I will order Bon Me sandwiches for the three of us to enjoy. Uh, okay. Either tomorrow or Monday. All right, we'll figure this whole well, thing not, out. But Monday won't be I there. did feel, and I'm not. A, I'm not afraid to admit it here. I did not. I had no idea what it was. Now, are you are you somebody who's willing to try like new cultural stuff? Like food wise, or do you? Kinda, I'm not totally against it, but you're not. I may not, not go back to it. Okay, but you're you're okay with trying it once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'll let you know. Have you have you like done like kimchi or anything like that? Uh, I have had. Ooh, there is a place that Alex Crawford and I went to uh, years ago after we did the polar plunge together mm-hmm. over in the Park Rose area. It's a breakfast spot where they had like kimchi omelets. Mm. They're really stinking good. Uh, it was like a little diner, like a. a- Pink little diner. What? Stinking being the very huge part of that. Eggs and kimchi together. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a effervescent smell. But that was really good. Yeah. No, if kimchi done right, like I I like it. But I spent some time in Korea and at the uh, there's like it's kind of funny. We we called it Korea Town off yes. of the um, right off the base in Osan, uh, Osan Air Base. Okay. And that entire street is nothing but kimchi being like fermented. And so that smell is so pungent. Sounds like, pretty gross. It just sticks in my nose. It sticks in my craw. And then you like it after that. It's no. It's one of the few that I was like just embroiled in that yeah. I have ma- made a way to get past. If you're around one of those smells too much, you're going to go one of either two ways. Like you're just going to be like, no, I'm out. I'm yeah. done. Blech. That's how I am with, with, nope. with coffee. Food, it's, it's more like that. But there's some smells that you always have, and they're not necessarily good smells, and you go back to and you're like, that reminds me of my childhood, mm-hmm. like living out in the sticks. My elementary school was across the street from a dairy farm. So you got that, that stinky cow pie. Just Morning recess was like the smell of cow poop. Mm-hmm. It actually takes me back to like morning recess in elementary school. And that's like a good – it's, the, it's a no. horrible smell that most people are like, oh, God. But and I'm like, you, you know what? memories. <laughs> That this this is fun for me. You're you're not all, like sideways here. My mom grew up in Corona, California, which used to be a cow town. Yeah. They, they used to call Corona cow town. Okay, and she said the exact same thing. Hmm. Like every time you go home, like there's still, like the, the the farms there would get smaller and smaller and smaller. But as you would go by there, she was like, "Oh, it just kind of reminds me of home." Yeah, like the smell of poo. She's like, yeah, "Absolutely." Yep, reminds you of home. All the good things about it. Um. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. When I lived in an apartment, I was upstairs, and my downstairs neighbor used to make kimchi on the weekends. I would literally wake up puking my brains out from that smell, oh, maybe from a hangover, too. Yeah, but also, like, that that fermented smell of kimchi is, especially if you're, if you're like, in a house, like, containing it, yeah. that is a stanky stank stank. Ah, all right. Uh, all right, this uh, sandwich talk. I didn't even get to the other thing I wanted to talk about, so we're going to have to get it later. In the show, have you guys been following along the guerrilla marketing from the movie Smile? Yes, it's very creepy, and I'm glad security guards around Major League Baseball are shutting it down. It's terrifying. It is like it is. There is there are very few things that are creepier than somebody just smiling at you with that those dead eyes and just a big smile. It's terrifying. Imagine being a gorilla, gorilla marketer. You're like, yes, we love your dead eyes. Please go creep people out for nine innings. 
Yeah, right? Your your eyes look hollow and empty, and that you definitely look like a soul has vacated your body. Please go sit behind home plate and smile awkwardly. For yeah, nine like you, you're like you're you're a, a struggling actor, and you're like, you know what? This is the role of my life. I'm gonna go sit behind a home plate, which is awesome too, by the way. Like they're gonna buy you tickets to go sit like right behind home plate at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and all you got to do is just <laughs> wear your creepy weird smile. Guess what? If I was sitting behind home plate at a Dodgers game. I would probably have a creepy, weird smile on my face, too. It would work. Mine would wear off about the second or third inning, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... It, it, again, we're sitting here talking about it, so it's brilliant marketing. <laughs> it really is. They're doing it. You going to go see it? No. No? Okay. God, no. No. Are you, are you a scary guy, a scary movie guy? I used to be. I just, like, I don't know. Like, I can watch them. I like thrillers, but... My wife isn't, and I got two young kids. So, like, once once my kids start getting into that genre, yeah, you'll circle back and you'll get back into it. See, but. I, li- I like the scary movies, but I feel like where they've kind of crossed the bridge a little lately is getting into the torture porn, and that's kind of where I'm like, you can leave me out of that. I'm good. Yeah. You like your porn the good old-fashioned ways, Rust. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like the Saw movies and yeah, yeah, Hostel. Yeah. And, yeah, like, to me, that's not, yeah. to me, that's not a horror movie. It's just gross. Have you seen Human Centipede? Uh, no, I've managed to avoid that one my entire life. Watch I'm, that. I'm aware of, of what it is, though. Watch that and Human Centipede, too. They, they oh, a, you watched the they sequel. They made a second one, baby. That's a bit of an upset there that yeah. you found you found another uh-huh. way to make the Human Centipede. Mm-hmm. All right. The uh, my, my wife loves scary movies, too. So uh, anytime oh. a new one comes out, like, uh, we, 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 the nice thing about, you know, being a, a new young couple and starting our own family and all that kind of things, you get to start your own traditions. Mm. And so last year we, we started a tradition on Halloween where we invite her sister and our now brother-in-law yeah. over. And I think we're going to do her family come over uh, for Halloween and watch a bunch of scary movies. Mark that, by the way. Okay. And you watch a bunch <laughs> of scary movies yeah. together. What did I say there? <laughs> You'll find out. Oh. God dang it. <laughs> God dang it. Uh, that is good. That is a good one. That that is a good one, and Halloween is always spooky season. Is here, the hair the it hair is. house is decked out in spooky season. Is, 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 is gonna say, is your wife a uh, Halloween decorator? Uh, no, our neighbor's hot tub. Greg's moving to Spain, so he gave us. They had like the front yard that Display. was all Halloween down, ah, yeah. and they're like, it's because my kids absolutely loved going over, and they got like creepy babies with spiders on them, and oh, okay, skeletons and stuff. He's like, have it all, so we got it all set up, uh, and I'm in the process of lighting it. Oh, we're, we're doing okay. we're doing lighting, mood, right mood lighting, yeah. like creepy lighting. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll post a picture of where we're at right now, nice. and then we'll get to the uh, the finished product as well. Oh shoot, we're already way behind. Let's of go. We, are. we started talking about scary movies and we got off track. Uh, let's let's start. We got Matt Preem coming up at uh, twelve thirty from Duck Territory twenty four seven Sports. Uh, where we go next though? Which Pac twelve underdog can prove the most this weekend? Danny Dusty on the fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. 
You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Danny and Dusty on the fan. R.I.P. Coolio, man. Oh, man. Yeah, 59 years old. Have they, have they announced the uh, death yet? Because they said there's no foul play and no, no drugs. No. I just, uh, his life was too awesome. You know? I remember when he was 23, wondering if he'd leave, live to see 24. The way things were going, he didn't know. It's true. Yeah. It, it's, it is weird to think and of Coolio. And he made Coolio. it to 59. It is weird to think of Coolio as 59 years old. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, like, that that's the big one. Is when Gangster's Paradise came out, he was 23, <laughs> not knowing if he was going to make it to 24, and here we were 36 years later. Yeah, that's, uh, that's nuts. Just to think how old that song is. Right? My math's right on that, right? Yeah. Yep, 36. Yeah. Good God. Oof. Math's hard for me. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. Coolio, who, man, that guy was the soundtrack of my uh, of my youth. He's He was on the soundtrack of my youth from Gangster's Paradise, Gangster's Paradise Fantastic yeah. Voyage, 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, who could forget from the hit classic Clueless, Rolling with the Homies? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rolling with the Homies. Yeah, I loved Coolio, and he was one of those guys who brought, like, really brought funk into rap. Too? Yes, he, he he was the kind of the funk uh, rap Damn, revival. To be twenty six years, no, no, yeah, twenty three to fifty nine is thirty six. Yeah, thirty six. Yeah. yeah, somebody somebody texted in and got me second guessing, saying twenty six years, Dusty. No, he was twenty three, not knowing if he lived to see twenty four. Now he died at fifty nine. My math was right in my head. Come on, people. Um, all right, so R.I.P. to Coolio. All right, we got uh, some games coming up this weekend in the Pac-12 that it got me wondering which dog has got them can prove the most um, because we got three games that you can choose from. You've got three and one Cal visiting three and one Washington State, mm-hmm. where Washington, still weird to say. Washington State is a four point favorite in that one on the Palouse, which tells you of what Vegas thinks of Cal, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an emotional loss, and I, how is Washington State going to rebound? That's a big question mark for them. Okay, so Cal hitting the road and taking on Washington State. You've got, obviously, Oregon State going to number 12 Utah as 10-point dogs for an 11 a.m. kick. All right? And then on Friday night, you've got number 15 Washington heading down the road to take on undefeated in 4-0 UCLA with Washington being three-point favorites in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you start looking at the list of things that we were, we were, as we were prepping here. And I think you 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 talked me into it. I think you talked me into UCLA Washington being the game that is for me 
the one with the most on the line? Yeah, I, I, well, it, this is an interesting conversation to be had, though, because, one, for, for Cal, I think on the West Coast especially, if they can go on the road, and look, their only losses on the road in South Bend, Indiana, to Notre Dame, which is a Notre Dame team that is struggling, mm-hmm. okay? But you go up and you play Washington State, and if you can win that game, we just saw how good Washington State can play. Right, and 100%. you're you're opening up a ton of eyes to that kind of defensive minded. The offense came to live last week against Arizona for Cal, um, and that's not going to be an easy out if they go and they make that win as an underdog on the road. You have Oregon State, which as ten point dogs, they go to Utah, but I mean, is is Oregon State really going to change anybody's mind on how good of a team they are if they go and they win? Because we saw how good of a team they are just last weekend. And that's the thing is we we have no idea of UCLA. They have played that's the nobody. Thing. They have played absolutely nobody. I don't think unless Oregon State beats Utah, I think that's the one caveat here of like can they get it done punching up? But that again, a game of matchups. They match up well with yes. UCLA or with Utah. They beat the bejeebers out of them last year. Mm-hmm. Right, and that is that's the thing that you sit there and you go styles make fights, right? And that that's a style where Oregon State has always given USC trouble stylistically. Mm-hmm. Well, they and Utah they go head to head and they can give each other some fits. Yes, and then you look at UCLA, Washington, and DTR is in his seventeenth season, you know, or less mm-hmm. uh, at UCLA. When we kind of understand stylistically what they're going to be. But we haven't seen it against a team of consequence. So, like, yeah. what do they do when option A isn't working as well as it had? Like, have they had to go to option B yet this season? No. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? And Washington offensively is going to put so much pressure on you, you're going to have to go through options B, C, D, and E. Like, that's how does UCLA react, or, or do they react at all? Or does Washington just come out there and just punch them in the face, and all of a sudden we're looking at Washington going, oh. Mm-hmm. And I think... That's got to be the most, like, well, again, my first initial reaction was, look, if Oregon State can beat Utah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. But yep. you look at UCLA-Washington, UCLA, number one, has the most approved because they haven't done anything this year against a team that matters. And on the flip side, if Washington comes out and just punches them in the mouth and just steamrolls them, we're looking at the Huskies going, uh, are they the best team in the conference? Are we, though? If they come out, are we? Because you, you just said it. UCLA's schedule has been Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, where they barely won, mm-hmm. and then they went on the road and they beat Colorado, the worst team in the Pac-12, arguably the worst team in Power Five football. Jeez. I don't even know if you can argue that right I, now. I think right now you're pretty safe bet. I, I think they are the worst team in all of Power Five football, and they beat the doors off of them. I mean. What Washington has been doing is just handling teams that are inferior to them, and they've been doing it impressively. But are we going to sit there and be like, that's going to be the conference title contender? I don't know. It's their first game away from Seattle. Yeah. You know, so we'll learn a little bit more about how the the show travels. But I think UW's a great team regardless of of the outcome of this game if they win. I think they Impressively or tight. I think if they travel and beat the brakes off of them, I think then we're definitely looking at them like, oh, that's that's scary, especially with what Penix has done so far. Yeah, Penix's numbers have been video game esque. He's been incredible. He's been one of the three best quarterbacks in the country. Yep, and this one could get ugly. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's surprising that it is only three point spread uh, in Washington's favor, but that kind of tells you about 
what Vegas may be thinking about a team who hasn't left their home stadium in the first month of the season. Which has got to be comfortable. And then you're going into the least hostile environment on all of the Pac-12. There could be more Washington fans there. On a Friday night game? I'm I'm betting money there will be more Husky fans. Husky fans travel. It's a Friday night game. And listen, think about the weather right now. If you're if you're if you're a Husky loyalist, what do you, where where would you rather be right now? Yeah, like little little weekend getaway to L.A. when the when the fall weather starts hitting. Yep. Oh yeah, no, I can because you can snatch up tickets dirt cheap right now. Oh man. All right, five zero three two five zero ten eighty. That is the fan text line. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Ducks. Uh, Matt Prem covers the Ducks for Ducks territory. This is Danny and Dusty right now as Rust with Sports Center. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. The Oregon Ducks are 3-1 and one in the 13th ranked team in the country. They get set for a meeting with Stanford, 8 o'clock kick right here on The Fan. Uh, now we head down to Eugene to catch up on a little bit of all things Ducks with Matt Preem, 24-7 sports, Duck territory. Matt, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right, and uh, fall official here, so I'm more, uh, enjoying the, the hoodie season. <laughs> hoodie season is here for sure, man. Uh, okay, we, we're we a third of the way through the, the regular season, yeah. and four games in, there was a lot of questions about Dan Lanning, how he would adjust to being a head coach, and his his staff, really, especially Kenny Dillingham, the young offensive coordinator that had no experience as a full-time play caller until this year. Uh, what have you learned from uh, landing in this staff through the one-third of the season? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, going into the, the year, we were, what, pretty confident in the defense, mm-hmm. pretty questionable of the offense, and it's kind of – uh, inverse there a little bit. I mean, even with the three points scored against Georgia, I think most people kind of go into games thinking, hey, the offense is explosive. Yeah, you got to worry if, if some mistakes from Bo Nix come up, which frankly, there haven't been a lot of them. Um, he had two against Georgia. He's played perfect at home. And then against Washington State, you know, one play. And I really hope Duck fans don't focus just on one play and look at the totality of that game. He was really good outside of one moment, which was really bad, a pick six. But the confidence in the offense is, is pretty darn good here. You know, they're averaging 51 points a game in their last three games. Um, it was very evident the state could not stop them. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was literally just, you know, they were, give, they were giving up points, basically. It, it came down to, is it three or is it seven? But the the defense that's that's kind of the surprising one here is you're you're thinking about like well they had to replace Kayvon Thibodeau as a pass rusher but they've got options and they've struggled to do that and and create getting pressures and creating sacks and havoc plays and some of that I think is by design of the opponents that they've played uh, Georgia certainly got the ball out quick went to the perimeter Eastern mm-hmm. Washington and BYU did the same thing um, Stanford or Washington State, they held on to the ball a little bit longer than the three previous teams, but they still got it out quick and out to the perimeter. This weekend, we'll get a real good test of that. Stanford's going to hold on to the ball a lot longer. They take deeper shots down the field. They they do the play action type stuff. But Lanning also this week kind of commented, like, teams, 
they're going to see what, what we struggle in, and they're going to try and copycat what other teams have done to execute that. So Lanning's anticipating some quick stuff from Stanford as well. But long answer or short answer to my long answer is the offense is really good, and the defense is kind of suspect, which we didn't expect. That kind of leads me exactly where I want to go with this, Matt, is the how do the Ducks avoid kind of what happened in that first half? As, as good as Bo Nix was, he was – I would say he's adequate in the first half, and then come mid-third quarter, he just flipped it on into, into God tier, and the offense just got rolling. And obviously, the final three minutes they were insane. But defensively, as we again we talked about how the roles have kind of flipped. They got kind of punched in the mouth through a couple different drives early on. How does Dan Lanning both get the offense going a little bit sooner and get the defense on more on the aggressive edge uh, to kind of dictate to a game to a Stanford team that's just battled with injuries right now well I, I think the the first half thing the view of that would be different if they didn't have the inefficiencies in the red zone where they they got in there I think four times and they walked away with nine points and they had a pick six um, in the first half and I don't think the offensive starts are an issue because if you go at home the first team offense had 13 straight drives between Eastern Washington and BYU where they scored touchdowns or field goals and 12 of those 13 uh, were touchdowns. So they're coming out firing on cylinders, but it's now making sure you don't leave points on the board. And I I just think Oregon kind of looked at at the Cougars and said, hey, we're going to run our stuff. We're not going to adjust. And it took them a little bit too long to adjust because Washington State isn't very big. But they are darn near fast. They they might be one of the faster teams in the conference, and their their sideline to sideline speed was terrific. And when the field got condensed and there was less room to maneuver in, that speed was able to make up for their lack of size and physicality. And I, I think it took Oregon a little too long to kind of figure out, hey, the the perimeter stuff in in, in the ten yard line area, it's just not working. We, we got to go straight at them. Um, and that's what happened in that second half is they went straight at him and it worked. Um, so I, that would be the first kind of adjustment I would think this offense makes is just go to your bread and butter. I don't know if Ken Young was getting too cute, but it, it was just too much on the on the perimeter when you're really stout up front and you've got the big playmakers to, to go right at the, at, the, at the end zone. Defensively, I don't know what the answer is because Christian Gonzalez is an elite cornerback, but – Dumb. Next to him, I, I don't know what you have. I mean, TriQuest Bridges played a lot against Washington State, but teams are clearly throwing his way. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Bennett and Jamal Hill, they are very good run stuffers. I think Bennett is a very good player in space and tackling in space, but their strong suits are not coverage. Um, Steve Stevens is, is adequate there, but you just don't have a lot of options, and so it's – it's what can you do maybe to speed up the process and have quarterbacks have less time to throw the football um, deep down the field. That's the one where thankfully I'm not in charge of the defense <laughs> and I don't get, I don't get paid the millions of dollars to figure it out. Cause I don't know what the answer is because they don't have a lot of options from a player perspective in the secondary, which is last in the conference and pass defense. Uh, they don't generate a lot of sacks, but at the same time, you know, we're going to start seeing some teams now that hold the ball on, a little bit longer. Maybe that, that kind of solves itself by just the way of the opponent and the style that they play. You know, and well, one thing about that is I wonder if, why aren't we seeing more of Dante Manning? Because Dante Manning came in 
a little bit later in that BYU game. He played serviceably there. Uh, but Dante Manning out at that corner position uh, and in coverage, wh- why haven't we seen more of him on the perimeter? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, Lanning has, has said that all three guys, Bridges, Manning, and Florence, um, they all do things pretty well, and then they all have areas that they specifically need to improve on. And at this point, I, I would read into that as Bridges is probably the most reliable from a play-to-play perspective, and he's probably the one that performs the best in practice because Lanning talked about that at multiple different positions this week of guys that are playing well in practice, they're starting to see it translate onto the field. And I know you're talking DBs, but the exact example he used was Troy Franklin. And he said he's night and day a better practice player now. And the stuff that they, they, they do a stumble drill that they work on ball security and keeping your balance on the exact same type of play that happened against Washington state. And he highlighted it saying like, we do that in practice every single day. And then he came out and executed it in a game. And so my answer to, to Dante might be, it's just, he's, you know, why we see so much of Bridges and not Dante or not Joel Florence is Bridges might be Oregon's best practice player and consistent practice player throughout the week leading up to the game. One of the things that at least that stood out to me against Washington State, and it's something that uh, Dan Lanning uh, probably let it be known a little bit uh, during the broadcast when he chewed out uh, DJ Johnson for the, the targeting play, <laughs> the, uh, the penalties popping up. How much has Lanning been kind of talking about that and having them kind of better prepare that? Because that's, like, that's one of those things a head coach that ultimately I think starts falling on your plate when you move up in that seat and have that responsibility of having guys ready. How much have they been kind of driving home the cleanliness of the game going up against a team that they're clearly better on in paper in Stanford? Yeah, he, he brought that up a couple times, whether it was DJ Johnson's late hit or they've had some false starts the last couple mm-hmm. of games that have, have put them in tough, you know, third and fives turning to third and tens. Um, or first and goal at the five turns into first and goal at the 10, which happened, I think, on their first drive at Washington State. And they ended up, the drive ended up being stopped at the five yard line. They had to take a field goal. So they would have scored if it wasn't for that, that false start. Landing has talked about, you know, they, they need to eliminate the self inflicted wounds and that they're going to ensure that that happens. And look, we're, those are what he's talking about, making these mistakes when. No one else, you know, pre-snap penalties are by far the worst. I don't think we see a lot of personal foul penalties from Morgan. Now, we had two mm-hmm. um, against or against Washington State, and, you know, that certainly opens the door for, for issues here. But um, I, I, I think you look at the whole length of the season through four games so far, there haven't been a ton of personal foul penalties or daring the play type stuff. And, I think if you give coaches true term, you know, those penalties, while in the moment, yes, the G.A. Johnson one is not good. You need to be better at that. Um, you're probably much more understanding of those happening than the pre-snap ones when you're in total control of it. Matt Prem is our guest. 24-7 Sports Duck Territory is where you can find his work. Uh, you know, as we're talking about the defense, and when you said like the, the defense being behind the offense at this point in the season is something that we didn't really expect, I, I think one thing that you can look back to is we had these glaring questions heading into this year on, on the defensive side of the ball is who was going to step up on that defensive line. And on the offensive side, it was, uh, one, how's the quarterback position going to be handled with Bo Nix and what, what does he look like there? And then who emerges as the wide receiver, uh, as the go-to wide receiver? And 
we've had both of those questions on offense answered and not that question on defense of who's going to be the stud D lineman. The receiving, the receiver's room has turned into something that everybody kind of been hoping for and waiting for over the last handful of years. But it is really on the back of Troy Franklin. Can you kind of explain his development from his freshman year now into his sophomore year where he has emerged as the go-to guy? Yeah, and he's off to maybe the best start at receiver we've seen in a while. He has more, you know, in 2019, Johnny Johnson had 22 catches in the first four games of the season. Troy, Troy Franklin has 20, but Johnny has he didn't come close in the yards produced out of those 22 compared to Franklin. And then Franklin's 339. It's the most yards in the first four games of a season for a receiver since Darren Carrington in 2015, when he came off that uh, six game suspension. And I think he posted three straight 100 yard games and had like 380 yards in four games in his first four games. So we're seeing pretty, you know, rarefied air from a position, you know, that hasn't had a lot of production. And Franklin's on pace to hit a thousand yards. He'd be like the fifth receiver since 2009 to to do that at Oregon. Um, and his growth is he's bigger. He, Dan Lanning has said he's gotten faster. Uh, his, his approach to practice has improved since at least Dan Lanning arrived in the spring till now. Um, and then I also think we may have seen this last year if it wasn't for some offensive questions that we have, whether it's the play calling or whether it was the quarterback. Um, I, I think we could have seen some of this show more in 2021 because um, he was slated to start the first game of the year against Fresno state. And then he had an injury like the days leading up to Fresno state and it made him limited in what he could do for the first quarter of the season. And by then, you know, they kind of established their identity and didn't want to go away from it. But, He's he's showing why he was one of the best receivers in the country a couple of years ago coming out of uh, Northern California. Um, really terrific player, big play guy, you know, has the ability, you know, to be a possession receiver too. But it's not just him. You know, Chase Coda is on track to have his best year in college football as a receiver. Um, he, he played four years at UCLA, and he's already at, you know, going to blow out his catch you know, career high in catches for a season that's t- currently 25, and he's at 14 right now through four games. Um, Chris Hudson is very close to the same level of production that he produced last year when he was pretty solid for Oregon. And then Dante Thornton, he's on pace to double his numbers as well, if not more. Um, and some of that's just being able to play. That's going to help things. But you just look at the, what they're getting at some of these positions. I mean, Dante Thornton has just seven catches, but – He's averaging almost 18 yards a catch, and the only reason why he doesn't count in the in the top uh, rankings for the conference for yards per catch is because he's just so limited in the seven catches. If he had three more, I think he would qualify, and he'd be like in the top ten for yards per catch in the league. So they've got the explosiveness, and it's it's led by Franklin, but it, they've got multiple guys that are having really good years through through the first four games. Matt Prem catches work at 24-7 Sports. Also uh, on Twitter, at Matt Prem. Um, make sure you give him a follow and you follow all the work of the guys at 24-7 Sports and uh, Duck ter- Territory. Thanks for the time, man. We'll see you on Saturday. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. There he is, Matt Prem, uh, 24-7 Sports, Duck Territory. This is uh, – it's really interesting to see. And he, even though he, he didn't say it, I will.
<laughs> the questions at quarterback and the offensive play calling last year. Again, They're we gone. can blame coordinators. It's like the Russell Wilson thing. You can blame coordinators all you want, okay? You can look at the one constant, and it's Russell Wilson with he and his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator issues. It was Mario Cristobal and pulling the reins back because you see him at Oregon. It didn't matter if it was Marcus Arroyo or if it was Joe Moorhead. Mm-hmm. You go down now, down to Miami. He hires one of the young, bright minds in all of college football away from Michigan. And their offense sucks. It's the same damn thing. <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he's putting clamps on everything, and it's, it's yeah. very evident. You pulled Dilling- the reins back on Troy Franklin. Yeah. And you look at Kenny Dillingham, who's been wildly successful everywhere he's been. He's been very uh, innovative and ingenious with how he develops game plans. I mean, let's, let's be honest. That, that game against Georgia, 49-3, to it wasn't the offense. No, they moved the ball. Well, it was Bo Nix. <laughs> yeah. He plays offense, but, but it was like, – the, the, the scheme of the offense, I was, I was yeah. thoroughly impressed with how well and effectively yeah. they took what Georgia was giving them until they stopped doing that. That has been the most uh, surprising thing to me over these first four games is that – Oregon has not been out coached with the exception of, of that Georgia, Georgia game, yeah. right? And the the scheme has always been fit. Even in that Georgia game, the scheme was right, even on defense. The execution just wasn't there. Execution has been the massive problem, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Offense has been very, very productive. Offensively in that Georgia game, you had Knicks throwing interceptions. Defensively, you had 20-plus blown tackles. And assignment errors uh, with your linebacking mm-hmm. core aplenty. And that's, that that's got to be – listen, I know that game was bad, but the further we get away from it, I think we get more context of it, of understanding just what the problems were. And as the Ducks go further along, you're starting to understand that – like, it's kind of funny, the – like, what if Landing struggles after the Georgia game? Like, there was those, you know, those rumblings that were out there. And justifiably so, because it was bad. It was bad. But I also think you're also starting to see that their game plans – yeah. are very good. They, they, I mean, I have, and so far in, in all every game, I have not looked at it and go, I really wish they wouldn't have schemed this. I really wish they would have gone this way. Like, they seem very, very so, prepared on that end. Even in that Georgia game, I just brought up the Georgia box score again. They lost 49-3. to mm-hmm. They were 9 of 18 on critical downs, mm-hmm. so third and fourth down. They were 9 for 18. So 50% against Georgia. Which is not bad at all. They had 21 first downs, mm-hmm. 313 yards of total offense. It, it, it was not a horrific game except for the two turnovers mm-hmm. and your inability to score in the red zone. Yes. And, and those two turnovers were in the worst spots you could possibly yeah, 100%. have. 100%. So, uh, yeah, that game was a disaster on so many fronts. But uh, they bounce back, and they bounce back in, in, in a pretty impressive way. 503-250-1080, that is the fan text line. Uh, somebody's got to do it. Trade all of the draft picks for Alabama linebacker Will Anderson. You'll hear why next. Danny Dusty on the fan. And I think we're going to do her family. One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up like a sex machine. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, the fan. Okay, we are way late, but we got to get this audio in because somebody's got to trade all the draft picks for Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama. Uh, He's already projected to be a top five uh, pick in next year's NFL draft because he's an incredible player. 
But I heard this, and I would go full-on Al Davis if I heard this from Will Will Anderson. But do you consider yourself uh, hateful on the field? Is that, is that Yeah, I do. I just don't. I tell people all the time the audacity for the other team to even step on the field is disrespectful to me. I tell people that all the time. And I think people ask me what motivates me. I said the audacity for the fans to show up and for the team to come step on the field and play with us. So that's kind of like my own little thing in my head that I go through. So, yeah. The audacity of these people to think that they should step on the same field or cheer for a team that is opposing me. No, I'm out. I love that. I, I, 100%. I, when I went, we heard this clip, I immediately went down John Randall. Just, oh, just yeah. completely insane, and I love it. I love every part of this. I, I, I hope he's... Uh, I hope he's a future Raider. Now he said that with, he said that with a smile. Um, so he there there was an element where he's being playful and joking, but at the same time, like there's a little bit of truth to that. That he that is what upsets him is that people think that they can beat him or beat Alabama, and he just says, "Uh, uh-uh. and that is the there is a is you have to have an element of delusion when you are at the level of a Will Anderson or the greatest that do it, mm-hmm. you have to have that confidence, arrogance, yeah, cockiness, swagger, whatever word That's you want to call that. it. You have to have that. They don't belong in the same place as me. And that's how you get there. We, we always see and revere the guys with the chip on their shoulder, but a majority of these guys are the ones that they don't say it out loud, mm-hmm. but they feel that every single day. And I applaud Will Anderson for just saying it, you know, and just saying that's how I feel inside. And he doesn't let it out all the time. He's not, nobody is going to classify Will Anderson as a cocky or arrogant SOB. He's not Darrell Revis out there. Uh Uh-uh. But you know what? He thinks like Darrell Revis. Mm -hmm. They think like prime. They think like Ricky Henderson, where, you know, Ricky talking in the third third person, person Ricky, baby. It was, but those are the very few will let it all out there Mm -hmm. and, and put it all on the line. I applaud Will Anderson for just being like the audacity yeah, of these people. It's a great line. I hope he makes T-shirts. <laughs> I hope he and he will make millions of dollars off those T-shirts. He could sell them for two dollars a piece, and the Alabama audacity. fans are going to eat those up. They're going to be like audacity. That's where I listen to my sports talk on my app. <laughs> no, that's the Odyssey app. Yeah. You audacity is a different word that I thought. Odyssey was. Uh, they, at first you know what? When we named the company. There's Odyssey. some cross branding there. I, I think there's an NIL opportunity there for Odyssey. <laughs> and we should yeah. we should loop Will Anderson in on that. Yep. All just, right. I just want one percent. One hour down. We've got two more to go. Coming up at the top of the two o'clock hour, we have Josh Furlong, KSL Sports Director, covers the Utah Utes down in Salt Lake City. Uh, next hour, we got the worst day on the web and why Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic aren't as valuable to computers as you would think. Uh, but where we start next hour, not my king. Danny and Dusty on the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.